Welcome to MMC Radio, brought to you by Maine Medical Center, Maine's leader in patient care, education, and research, all centered around you. Here is our host, Melanie Cole. Lead is a very strong poison, and when a person swallows lead, a lead object, or breathes in lead dust, some of that poison can stay in the body and cause serious health problems. My guest today is Dr. Abby Markham. She's a pediatrician with Maine Medical Partners. Welcome to the show, Dr. Markham. Tell us who's at risk for lead poisoning. Um, so we screen children between the ages of one and two, although children up to the ages of five or even a little bit older are at risk for lead poisoning. Um, uh, however, we do screen the kids that are a little bit younger routinely. So how do you get lead poisoning? So the main source of lead poisoning in our country today is from paint uh, that is sometimes in our home. Um, lead was reduced in paint in about the around the 50s and eliminated in 1978. However, lots of homes still have that lead paint. Um, and when people remodel their homes, or even if the paint's chipping, that's the biggest source of lead poisoning for kids. Um, although you can see lead on old toys, you can see lead on um, like costume jewelry, you can see lead on some bibs and things like that still um, that are, you know, older items that have been passed down maybe from um, uh, the, you know, um, you know, several years ago. So gasoline, paint, those kinds of things are no longer made with lead in them. Is there anything that still is? Uh, so, well, gasoline, they, in the U.S., doesn't emit any um, any more lead exposure. However, there's other countries which they think there's still a trace amount. So that still um, can be a source for kids outside of the United States. Um, <clears throat> but for right now, it's um, it's mainly, um, it's mainly uh, the paint in homes. So how would kids ingest this if they're, what, swallowing paint, or what are they doing to ingest it, or do they just have to be in the vicinity of something that contains lead? Um, So it's mostly the lead dust. They can, you know, get a hold of lead chips that have chipped off buildings. If they, you know, if a building's been painted recently, they can chew on the chips, but a lot of it's just the dust. So um, sources of exposure are kids who eat um, eat food that's fallen on the floor that may be from an old home where dust is kind of um, picked up from, you know, from the paint chipping over time. Um, we suggest that you, uh, uh, that that families keep their windowsills nice and clean and that they, you know, keep their floors nice and clean and that we try to keep kids from eating off floors because that's, that's often where they are exposed to it. How would we know if a child has been exposed? Um, that's a great question. So most kids are asymptomatic, meaning they aren't showing any symptoms, that it's very worse. A lot of uh, kids can have problems thinking, problems acting. They have cognitive issues or seizures, that it's very, very worse. But like I said, most, most kids don't have any symptoms. Sometimes it's belly pain, nausea, vomiting. It can come and go. It's very nonspecific, we call these symptoms. So that's why we do screen kids um, about the age of one or two, depending on your insurance and your risk, we ask you about all of those things, and it's a simple blood test that we screen um, screen kids with. So then what can be done about it? When we hear about poisoning, Dr. Markham, we think about calling poison control, and but this is a little bit more ongoing and insidious. What do you do for it? Um, so for the most part, um, we kind of keep an eye on things, and most kids have very low levels of lead. Um, we 
at that point, if it's a very low level, we continue, we talk about the exposure, what the exposure may be. Um, we, there are lead dust um, kits that you can get through our um, government. You can swipe your home to see if the lead's coming from the home. Maybe it's coming from a toy. We try to identify where that lead is coming from. We talk a lot about your diet. So we like kids to be eating lots of calcium and iron because it reduces um, the absorption of lead. Um, and then at its very worst, if it's very, very high, sometimes we have to hospitalize these kids and um, there are specific therapies we can give. However, that's, that's fairly rare at this point um, in time. But the risk of having, you know, long-term neurocognitive effects from even a small amount of lead um, is, is quite severe. So we, we do treat it pretty quickly. Give us some of your best advice on home care, things we can do to prevent it. What If we're walking around, Dr. Markham, and we're trying to sort of clear out the, hair, the, the house of some of those hazards, what are we looking for? What do we do? So you can check the paint on windows and the floors. If the floors are peeling or flaking at all, um, you should try and take care of those. You can either tell your landlord about them. If it's your own home, you can often get an EPA-certified contractor um, who knows how to clean up lead. Um, and that's really quite one of the most important things to do. Keeping things clean is important because a lot of times it's just the dust that's in the air that contains the lead from these old homes. So cleaning the floors and the windowsills, the tabletops at least once a week. Um, it's real important to wash your kids' hands before eating or before sleeping because that's when the hands often go in the mouth. They've been touching lots of things, including maybe some lead dust around. They suggest that you also wash the toys once a week and um, keep the toys away from any areas with chipping paint. If you have young kids, um, always feed your kids at the high chair so that they have a less risk of touching, you know, the uh, the, the lead dust. Um, you don't let your kids eat food that has fallen on the floor, washing pacifiers and bottles if they've fallen on the floor. And then if you're going to go and, you know, repair your home or paint your home, um Especially if it's older than 1978, it's real important to talk to an EPA-certified contractor. And you can you can go on the EPA's website to find out a little bit more about who who those people are and what makes them certified. Then, um, you know, one of the other sources of exposures are people who work with lead on their in the job. Um, so if dad works with lead, he does piping, he works in any sort of mining, it's important to um, have him change his clothes or um, shoes right away or if mom does. So just in general, poison information, Dr. Markham, give your best advice to the listeners as a pediatrician about poisons, how easily our children can get into them and what we should look for and what we should do about them. About poisons in general or lead poisons? Yes. Yeah, poisons in general. Yeah, so anytime you are worried about any type of poisoning in any child, poison control is one of the places that, you know, calling poison control is very, very important. Um, uh, And they can walk you through, is it concerning, is it not concerning? If it is concerning, what do you do about it? Um, And they're extremely helpful. And poison control is 1-800-222-1222. It's 1-800-222-1222 from anywhere in the country, and they will direct you to your local poison control. So in just the last few minutes, Dr. Markham, and with poisons in general, what might people not know? We've spoken about lead poisoning, where it's found, and what we can do to hopefully prevent it. But what about in general poisons that we might not 
be aware of, poisons in our home that we might not be aware of that you want to let the listeners know to be careful of? I think it's always important to keep all detergents kind of locked away and everything, anything in a bottle away from a child. You know, if you can keep everything above the sink instead of below the sink, that's really helpful. Keeping cosmetics away from kids, um, shower in the shower, making sure that things are up high and not down low. Um, and, and if you come across your child and they've ingested anything, even a small amount, calling poison control is definitely your first step. They may say it's not a concern, um, and they may, or they may say exactly the opposite, that you know you should seek medical care, but they, of course, are the professionals and can help you out with that. And why should people come to Maine Medical Partners for their care? I think we provide the best care. We're really conscientious about keeping kids safe and healthy, and we love our kids. That's such great information. What a great pediatrician. I'm sure you are. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to MMC Radio. And for more information, you can go to mainmedicalcenter.org. That's mainmedicalcenter.org. MMC.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.